We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is episode number 1,127 with New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Caroline Leaf. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Linda Poindexter said, one small crack does not mean that you are broken. It means that you were put to the test and you didn't fall apart. And Dan Millman said, you don't have to control your thoughts. You just have to stop letting them control you. My guest today is Dr. Caroline Leaf, and she is a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist specializing in cognitive and metacognitive neuropsychology. Since the early 1980s, she has researched the mind-brain connection, the nature of mental health, and the formation of memory. She was one of the first in her field to study neuroplasticity and how the brain can change with directed mind input. She's also a speaker, podcaster, and the author of multiple best-selling books with her latest being Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. She has also created an app called NeuroCycle, which has a five-step process to help you take back control over your thoughts and life with scientific research showing it reduces anxiety, depression, and toxic thoughts by up to 81%. And in this episode, we discuss how important food is when detoxing the brain, how to get your messy mind under control, and what happens if you don't, why you should do an identity check on yourself once a year, and I loved her thoughts on this. The link between unmanaged stress and the impact on our body, and I open up about some of my experiences overcoming trauma as well. Our conversation was so powerful that I split it up into two episodes, so make sure to look out for the next episode coming in a couple days. And as a warning, we do briefly go into the discussion around sexual abuse and healing from that. If you're inspired by this, make sure to share this with someone that you think would be inspired as well. You can copy and paste the link wherever you're listening to this, or just use the show notes link at lewishouse.com slash 1127 with all the information there. Again, I'm so excited about this. I hope you enjoy this as well. And in just a moment, I bring you the one and only Dr. Caroline Leaf. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness. Very excited about our guest. Dr. Caroline Leaf is back on the show. Good to see you, Caroline. How you doing? Uh so good to see you, Lewis. I enjoyed our conversation last time, and it definitely didn't end, so I'm really, really excited It, did, it didn't end. I wanted to go for like 10 more hours. And <laughs> Me too. You were just so into it. <laughs> the, the comments, the engagement, the, uh, the the results people were getting from your strategies and tools have been uh, mind-blowing, and I'm, oh, wow. I want to continue the conversation because I think there's a lot we could do to help people improve the quality of their mental health, improve the quality of understanding their minds, their body, their emotions, and their life. Yeah. And the first question I wanted to ask you is how important is is food when we are looking to detox our brains in general? How important is the foods we put in our body for our brains? 
I'm so glad you asked that question. And just quickly to pick up on, uh, I was telling you just before we started, how people are still commenting mm. after, like, but like weeks later, months later after the last podcast on how they love your show and how they loved our conversation. So thank I you for the opportunity. It. No, really, you're a great it. interviewer and it's just wonderful chatting to you. Food is such an important thing. So basically we know that, and but it does have a massive impact. But what's so much, so what for me is so interesting about the food side is the fact that our mind controls the digestive system. Mm. So our mind is our aliveness. So the difference between you and I and a dead person is our mind. So for our gut to function and to be able to digest all the parts of our gut to be able to digest food, our mind's actually running the show. And most people don't actually think about it like that. But if you're eating a really healthy, organic, sustainable, farm-to-table, local, all the right, you know, the real food, right. the, the definition, dairy non-GMO, <laughs> the whole what, yeah. And you, but you're in a, in a in a mood, or you're not dealing with something traumatic, you know, you're not dealing with an issue that's um, like a relationship issue. Or you're just in a bad state of mind as you're eating. You will, you could lose up to 86% of that nutrition just by the state of your mind, because your mind is driving your, your, is, well, is that your mind is basically that act, whatever you're thinking about is activated in your mind, in your brain, and in your body. And then your enteric nervous system, the whole thing is activated. And your enteric nervous system, which is the connection between the mind and the brain, this feedback loop, is driving the whole process. So, or being driven by your mind. So, it responds very, very quickly. There's a very quick direct link between mind, brain, gut very, very fast. It's throughout the whole body, but it's extremely fast to the mm. gut. And the gut has as many neurons in as the spinal cord. So we have about 300,000 neurons in our gut, as we, as we, which is about the amount we have in our spinal cord. So we, we, you probably, you, know, you would have heard of it, the gut-brain connection. Mm-hmm. And these, in the last 10 years, it's become a huge field of research in the microbiome and all that stuff, and how that's very good, a lot to do with our intelligence, and how serotonin 95% is in the gut, and 90% of dopamine. And so all these things, there's such a relationship. But what we don't always think about is that that thought that you're thinking in your mind is actually activating and growing that whatever you're thinking about and whatever you're adding on, changes are happening in your brain, that's going to your gut. And everything involved in the process of digestion, including the pancreas and the gallbladder and the different parts of the intestine, the stomach, everything is being driven by these energy waves from the mind. So if our thought is toxic, you can, for example, let's just take one of the organs, the pancreas. The pancreas secretes 20 different neuropeptides that are required for the assimilation of food. And if you are in this mood or worried or anxious or not dealing with something or having a fight with someone, those 20 neuropeptides won't be secreted properly or maybe wow. only a few of them. And that's going to impact everything else. And then you just don't digest. The bloating people get, the gut issues, the sore, sore stomachs, all leaky gut, constantly not dealing with our stuff, wears down the lining of the gut. I mean, it just creates inflammation. The, the back, gut bacteria get affected. Your good bacteria go into hiding. And it's like a million different things. So that is so important. So I like to talk, Lewis, about the mindset behind the meal as opposed to just the meal. Mm. And we focus so much on the food and diet that I think we've forgotten the most important component, which is mind. So I think that should be, we should manage that first and then use that to manage so can the you dietary eat, aspects. So can you eat um, bad foods and still have a good mindset around it and process those foods in a healthy way so you actually <laughs> – Take take the nutrients out of it or it doesn't affect you, your gut or your, you know, building fat cells or whatever with this greasy fried 
um, you know, sugary processed foods? <laughs> Could you still have a healthy body with the right mindset, or do you also need the right nutrients and the right mindset to you go? Need, you need both. You need okay. both. Eventually, that junk food is going to accumulate yeah. in your body. And, we, you know, we know that we are eventually going to create an environment because our brain and body are the environment for the mind to operate in. So if the environment of the brain and the mind are affected physically by you know, junk food and, as you said, mm -hmm. the processed foods and things, it is going to wear the body down. Those excess chemicals, they, you know, they cause the leaky gut. They do all the things to the cardiovascular system. I mean, we know there's just so much research around that. So it's both. It's yeah. both. But, but what, what I'm hearing you say is you could have all the healthiest foods and be thinking toxic thoughts or in, uh, uh, you know, abandoning yourself over and over or staying in the wrong relationship or not speaking up for yourself or not forgiving something from your past and holding on to that. And you, it won't do much for you to have those healthy foods or it might create inflammation still or have leaky gut because of the mindset. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Wow. And that's, that's an aspect that people don't recognize. And it's not spoken about. It's not studied enough. It's, you know, we always talk about four pillars or three pillars. People talk about diet, exercise, managing stress. So they're three separate components. Meanwhile, the driving force is your mind, because if you're dead, none of those other things matter anyway. So your mind is your aliveness and it drives the, drives all the others. So we've got to focus on the mindset because you, you maybe how many times do we hear of people that they are in their early fifties and they've been exercising and they've been eating well and they seem to have, they're always smiling and they seem to be fine and they drop down dead or they commit They have suicide. a heart attack or something, yeah. Yeah, they have a heart attack or they, you know, they, yeah, something like that and think, how? I mean, they're so healthy. So your, your mind overrides that benefit. So you're, you've got to think of mind creates the changes in the brain, which then, which and in, and the changes in the body that are either strengthening strengthening the environment of brain and body or weakening. And if you cumulatively don't manage the toxic issues in your life, your your body is slowly but surely changing the, the, the brain body environment slowly but surely changing in the wrong direction. So we move between this percentage of thirty five to ninety eight percent increased in vulnerability to disease, the more we unmanaged, the more we have an unmanaged mind. So I have two questions. The first one I ask is about what are the most important practices for first detoxing the brain? And then I want to talk about the mind afterwards, but what are the, the actual practices for detoxing the brain? So the, so the mind is going to do the detoxing. So the primary, the primary thing is that the mind detoxes. So the brain isn't self-generated generating and um, like genes aren't so aren't um it's, it's there's a fancy terminology for it but basically it means that the genes genes can't switch themselves on the brain can't change itself and we often hear the brain we often hear in the media things like the brain can change itself but if you did give me a dead brain and show me a change and it doesn't change but if i put qegs and fmris on you and i right now in this conversation we'll see massive changes happening inside of our brain so mm. the first aspect is brain health is very reliant on mind health mm. and that is that is very primary and so mind health is very much around keeping a messy mind managed so i'm not sure if we spoke about this in the last interview because we spoke about so much stuff but <laughs> what i how i explain it is that we've got a messy mind and a wise mind and that's like coming from and we can define each of those but basically your messy mind is it's experimental 
um, every moment is an experimental moment in the life of a human when you're awake because we don't know what's happening next to you. We can't control people, events or circumstances. So everything is chance that's coming up in the next few moments. We can predict to a certain level of accuracy what's coming up. And the more familiar you are with an environment and people, the more accurate your prediction. But it's still a prediction. It's not an accurate fact. So based on that, we are very experimental. And um, that is okay. We have a psycho neurobiology, mind, brain, body is very geared to experimentation. It's very geared to hypothesizing. So we live a very hypothesizing type lifestyle. It's all happening very fast on the non-conscious level. And so we hypothesize and experimenting and we make mistakes, but that's okay because in a mistake, if you're managing it, you'll you'll take the messiness and you'll repair it and you'll grow. So it's kind of experiment, mess, repair, grow, experiment, succeed, mm-hmm. don't, then you grow. And, and you're kind of doing this all day long in everything that you do, relationships, work, relaxation, sport, whatever. Um, so that process is something that we are designed to go through. The problem is that brain health is, and that's brain, that'll be brain health and that'll be body health because it's mind, brain, body. Um, mm. But if we are have a messy mind only and we don't manage it or we only manage it intermittently, because our mind's always working, it never switches off until you die. So it's working at night, you dream with your mind, you, you can even train yourself to dream differently. I mean, that's how mm. powerful the mind is. You can, and I'm about to do a research experiment on that where you can train your mind to train your brain to actually change things like nightmares and things like that, which wow, is super interesting. Cool. So it's, it's really interesting. So in other words, messy mind, messy mind, brain, messy body. So that's really vital. So that could be the first thing. The second messy thing mind, do, messy brain, brain, messy, messy body. body. Yeah. So it's, you can't, you can't detox the brain or, well, I guess you could detox the body a little bit by not by the physical environment the substances you put in your body but what i'm hearing you say is if you don't learn to detox the the mind first you won't get the optimal benefits of exactly. that environmental uh, substances exactly so for example if you go and do a workout but you go and do a workout with an attitude of oh, i just got to get it over and done with or um i hate this or i wish it was over and if you i, I Never let yourself do that when you're working out because as soon as you do, you send a message to every DNA, every part of every cell of your body to actually go into like a, almost like a, um, a freeze mode. You know, when people are starving and then their body hangs onto food. If mm. you send that message to your body that you don't want to be here while you're exercising, you actually reduce your, um, the DNA's functionality and it drops down, your, your benefit drops in, in the exercise routine. Wow. So you may be doing the most amazing workout, but your mind will determine the effectiveness and the benefit of the workout. So it's got to be mind, but we do have to eat properly. I mean, I've written books, Think and Eat Yourself Smart. I, I am an avid, avid believer in eating healthy and and, um, and we can talk about that real food and exercise every day. I'm, I've just come out of hot yoga two hours ago and <laughs> sauna, infrared saunas. I do it all. I do everything that I can do possibly because I am looking after the organs through which my mind works. Mm. So I'm trying to create a very compatible relationship between them because there's a magical relationship between them, which we've got has there ever been a time where you, I mean, you've been studying this for decades. 38 years. Yeah, yeah. decades. 84, 84, I mean, when you yeah. were like six years old, you started studying this. So um, <laughs> oh, was there ever a time during your intense research where you knew this, but you were practicing something different? Maybe you're eating clean and you're working out, but you were like, gosh, I don't want to be here or I'm stressed out by this or my work or whatever it is. And you, you saw the negative effects of that. And then was there a time when you switched it? I'm assuming there was, and you never went back and you started to see other benefits. 
definitely it's been up and down. I've always been very driven. So I've always been very into exercise and, and um, throwing myself into everything. So everything I do, I throw myself into 100%. But as I, as I've gone through life experiences, you know, having I've got four children and they're adult children and that comes with its own incredible joys, but incredible challenges. And as you would know, and um, <laughs> so there's been times where you, you know, even like in, I've been married for 34 years and we have an incredible marriage, but we've had our ups and downs. So whenever there's been, it's the relational stuff that's grabbed me the most. Really? And um, it seems things, like relationships are yeah. the things that bring people the most joy and the most pain. It's because we are enhanced by each other. And that's something we should talk about enhancement mm-hmm. versus comp- competitive culture and the whole deep, meaningful relationship thing. That is such a cool, incredible concept. And it goes beyond Darwin back to Lamarckian theory and that kind of stuff. But it's really, and it, it does impact. So, to, to answer, to, it's a great thing to discuss. So, in, in terms of, I mean, also there's been like over the years business stuff and things, but I think the thing that's affected me the most, where I found myself maybe working out at Orange Theory or something and something's happened in a relational situation. And I find myself so absorbed with that that I'm, I'm exhausted on the treadmill. I can't. So then you I focus, you don't have yeah, energy. No. Yeah. And I'm just not able to do what I could normally do. So then I immediately will switch back and say, okay, I'm here now for myself for this I need to, I need to, I can't help others unless I'm actually building my own body up and I to discipline my mind, I catch it, push it back into that mode of totally focusing on what I'm doing. And it shifts completely. My Suddenly I have all the energy in the world and there's mm. a difference. Yeah. Is that part of getting rid of the messy mind? It's managing the messy mind. We never get rid of our messy mind. We need to be friends with our messy mind. Mm. It's a very nice concept. What? Be what is the be, messy okay. mind? What is it? What's it feel like? The messy mind is the experimental mind, as I was mentioning. So basically, it feels like I don't know what I'm doing, or somewhere I'm kind of like I'm not sure what I'm doing. I don't know if this is right. If this is okay. If this is the. It's it's also things like someone says something to you and you react and you realize, oopsie, I said the wrong thing, or I misheard, or I made an assumption, or um, I'm being. Uh, you see a pattern in your in your life where you keep on reacting to certain things, or you see that you're waking up in the morning complaining all the time, and you know that. That's that's messy mind. So it's where, where we find ourselves feeling discomfort, feeling like something's just not right, feeling ourselves irritable, worked up, all those 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 emotions, those are messy mind. And those are totally fine. Now here, this is so fascinating because those are, are fine if they're managed. So what we need to do is own them, give ourselves permission to experience them because you cannot grow unless you understand what they feel like. So get irritated. Not, I'm not saying choose to get irritated, but if you get irritated, own it and then say, okay, well, why did I do this? What can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? That's a managed mind. That's what our psychoneurobiology is designed to do. Mm. We're not designed to be these perfect toxic positivity creatures. We are very, we're very <laughs> normal. Yeah, we're not supposed to be these. We, we, it's, it's okay to get, it's okay. To, it's way better to actually get frustrated and say, oh, I'm so sorry. I got frustrated yeah. because of, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it later next time or whatever mm. that's so normal what's the difference between toxic positivity and wise mind okay so wise mind is the ability to recognize i don't have i don't know everything i need other people i um i recognize i've hurt other people i recognize it's okay to cry it's okay to be sad it's okay to be depressed i recognize that anxiety depression these are signals and when my body aches this it's telling me something it's the wisdom to stand back and see another perspective it's the it's having deep discussions like this where you explore philosophy and explore that's wise mind it's if you asked me um for advice on something or i asked you for advice on something and you gave me advice wise mind when you talk to your your kids 
and your, 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 your partners or your friends and you say, hey, this happened, what do you think? And they give you advice, wise mind. Mm. So wise mind's in all of us, but we don't tune into it sufficiently. And it's at our core of our being. And, and we see this um, playing out in the neurobiology because we don't have any um, any proteins. Or, right? Let's take it from the organs to the cells to the the, the parts of the cell down to the subatomic particles. We have nothing in our entire physique, physique, physical body and brain that is for toxicity. What we, what we have is for managing it. So that's so different. We So in other words, we have grace to make mistakes. And yeah. toxic positivity is all about that kind of almost putting a bandaid. It's like a bandaid on a wound. It's it's one of my friends says bandaid on a bullet wound. Um, I mean, you can't put a bandaid on a bullet wound. And that's what toxic positivity is doing. And things like gratitude statements and affirmations, if used incorrectly, will but are very much tools of the toxic positivity movement. Mm. But if you're not dealing with your issue, you can't just slap a positive affirmation on or a gratitude statement or practice. It's not going to do anything. So how do you... Including yourself. So should we use mantras and affirmations? Is there a way to use them in a positive way, an effective way, I should say? Or, oh, definitely. So definitely. How, how do we use mantras, tools, affirmations, positive attitude without it... Um, being toxic positivity. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
I would do the way that I explain that is you do it in step five of the neurocycle. So the system I've developed for over 38 years, which is basically a delivery system for how to, it's not a technique, it's a delivery, like, like Amazon. Amazon's a delivery system that works brilliantly. Even if you don't like Amazon, it works. The system right. works. It delivers anything, anywhere, anytime. The, the concept of the neurocycle is, is a system of how we can directly manage our mind, our, get our wise mind talking to our messy mind to direct the neuroplasticity of our brain to be able to then move in the right direction and accept the ups and downs of life and get that sense of peace, which is not toxic positivity. It's actually a sense of peace. It's an acceptance of the uncertainties of life and so on. So um, the, the, what I have found from my research is that if you have an issue in your life and there's something that you're battling with, so maybe it's just that you wake up complaining every morning or something. I'll take something like that because it was discussions recently I had with someone and something I used to do. I used to wake up like worked up in the morning and I got that under control and it changed my life completely because really? it wrecks your brain, totally wrecks your brain, wrecks the day. And you can chat about that too in more detail if you want. But that's, so what we, what I, what you've got to do is you've got to recognize that um, if you are in, um, if you are, if there's something you're trying to work on. So let's say that there's a complaining thing just by saying, okay, I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to say 10 gratitude statements instead of 10 complaining statements. That's going to work for a time. It will not be sustainable because all you're doing is slapping a bandaid on a, on a bullet mm. wound or you're chopping the head of the, of the, weed and it will grow back as we know if you go chop right. the head of the weed they will grow back so it's not it's not getting to the root of exactly. you have to uh, why don't you just feel appreciation at all times not try to act appreciation that's it it's not a being it's a doing mm -hmm. and so you've got to find out why whatever you're doing is a reason because at your core your identity is this wired for love nature in our neurobiology and in our mind we see that in the love waves of the physics of the mind and the gravitational fields and things we see that in the that literally the the, the, the quantum physics has shown us that we immerse in gravitational fields that are and you they change when there's negativity so when people are angry and fighting it's different when there's a lot of war you can feel it you can walk into a room and you can feel that stuff so essentially our environment is very it's all very this is all very deep stuff and it's all very real stuff too and it's and it's not something that we can ignore because it's very we all experience this so um yeah you can't just go and say um 10 gratitude statements you have to find out why i am complaining these these i'm showing mm. up for a reason there's a reason why i'm doing this at my core i'm this wide full of person so if i'm waking up complaining or if i'm always irritable in certain situations or this triggers me all the time or if i have certain patterns there's a reason don't be hard on yourself be kind to yourself give yourself grace and just find the reason and it's such an easier way so much of an easier way to live Lewis, than like beating yourself up or forcing yourself to be something else just say okay i wake up complaining why mm. And then go and solve it. And that's where you can then work through the process of solving it. And it's a very sequential time process. That's why there's five steps you do over time. And when you find the root, then you can do the positive affirmations. It becomes the step five. Right. Then it works because you're actually doing it in the right place. What was the biggest challenge for you to overcome mentally with your messy mind that was holding you back? You know, something that was took a long time for you to finally like, okay, I know the science. I know the research. I've been teaching this, but I still haven't been able to do this myself. What's that been for you? Two things. The complaining in the morning, waking up very negative in the morning. And that How long is, were you doing that for? Oh, for years. I, I remember from... I remember the what it was like all through the first few years of my marriage, and I remember as a at, at high school to wake up in the morning like on edge and anxious, and so for years. And I remember one day my husband saying to me, "We've been married for about 
I have maybe 10 years or something. And he turned around and said to me, you are always so negative in the morning. And he wakes wow. up bright and happy and go away. You're too happy for me in the morning. You know, it's like, it was, and he just said, you're always negative in the morning. And I didn't, until he pointed that out to me, mm. I hadn't realized I was doing it. But it affected the first half of my day and would keep me in a kind of negative state. And here I'm doing all this brain research. And as soon as I did the research, I'm like this, I would go into a high because it immediately, as soon as my work immediately um, mm. changed things because it's brain building. And, and that's really important for mental health. Brain building is something that we definitely need to explore in this discussion because it's phenomenal. Okay. Anyway, so brain, so that, so complaining was set my, because uh, it basically creates neurochemical chaos. Now, when you wake up in the morning, as you're going from sleep to wakefulness, there's a massive shift in neurochemistry and brainwave activity. And literally things that were flowing this way now flow that way. And the brainwaves all, like delta is very high and now suddenly it drops down and theta will change and the beta comes on board. And so there's a whole shifting pattern. And if you don't manage that moment, you can set yourself up for failure for the whole day or have mm. a miserable day. And everything just becomes so much harder. So it's just a matter of mind managing. And, and I trained myself. It took me multiple cycles of 63 days using the oh. neurocycle to train it. But it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. It actually took me, it honestly took me about, um, I think it was two cycles, if I stand corrected, two cycles. So it's 18 weeks, um, which is not that long if you think I've been doing it for maybe 20 years. Right. And the other thing that held me back, which I've been doing from a child as well, was if only. I was I, I used to say if only to everything. And mm. I used to if lose only this, them. If only I would have got this opportunity. If only this wouldn't have happened to me. If only whatever. If only I said it this way. If only I did it that way. If only mm. we had this much more time on this holiday. If only, And one day, one of my daughters, and I've got four kids, and my second daughter, two, three of my daughters actually work for me. The one who's my producer, Dominic, turned around to me and she said, Mom, you are spoiling this holiday because I was going on about all the if onlys as we were leaving the holiday. And it was, wow. once again, it took a, a, a person in my close to me to actually turn on and say, you know, I wish you'd stop. And it was a child. I was like, gosh, I'm having this impact on my child. Wow. And I went into a, and that took me much longer because I had been doing it for so long. And that was, I, even now on my, um, I have an app called the NeuroCycle app and it's it's on iTunes and Google Play and it's it's, all, it's literally me giving you therapy, t- taking you through the NeuroCycle. I use that every day I mean literally I mean I know the system off my heart but I use the active reach reminders because you can type it in and every day seven times a day still it pops up on my phone remember your if onlys so I no longer do it but I still remind myself and I now can just glance and remember and I can catch myself like that so I've become 81% more effective in managing something that was so toxic to my mental health that it has completely revolutionized my life I cannot tell you how when that's changed my when life. We, I can imagine when we come from a place of if only, what is that saying about us and our life? That nothing will ever satisfy you. Wow. Nothing will ever give you peace. You will always be looking for the grass is greener on the other side. Man, that you sounds can, exhausting. It's it's exhausting. You you constantly can't see what you've got because you're always thinking what you just lost. And Where how it would have been from? better. Where, I think a, I think a level of you know, once I did the work, it came from from a, a a desire to be per- to be perfect mm. perfectionism which comes from a very uh, poor identity basically and me to prove myself i was the youngest of four kids i had a pretty me too. um yeah, okay so <laughs> i had my two elder sisters uh, i mean my family are amazing but like any family every family has crazy things mm-hmm. going on which is very normal too that's something that we all need to kind of realize mm-hmm. um obviously not the extreme stuff that's not normal but my two elder sisters were really battled a lot and they just and i was the youngest and i was kind of had to prove myself you know and so i went out in every aspect from 
academics to sports and I was always the top academic and the top sports and I drove myself to a point where it was just too much and it was I was always trying to please and my mom was very British and very you don't compliment children you don't give them a big head you don't so I I remember going up to her as a little child and she knows the story so she's good with it we've talked this through and I have a great relationship with her but I was maybe six or seven and I drew this picture and um, I went up to her and said mom don't you love mommy don't don't you love my picture and she said um, to me that's vain. Don't ask me. Don't look oh. for compliments. And it shattered me. And from at six that or day, seven, that's tough. Yeah, it shattered me. It completely. And she wasn't intending to shatter me, but it right. shattered me. From that day, I never asked. I just proved. And I drove myself. And it was never good enough. Nothing was ever good enough because she never complimented me. Wow. Now, as a as an 85-year-old, she never stops because she's changed and she's apologized. And she said, I realized I didn't. Because she started doing it to my kids and being hard on them. And I said, no. I said, because she said, wow. you, you, you compliment your kids too much. I said, you never complimented me enough. I said, my kids, when they do something that's great, I am going to be their biggest cheerleader and she saw that and she we had we had this whole discussion around that but that's where it came from and now it's sorted out now she's I mean she makes a point of of like everything it's like really sweet now she's trying to make up for it, which is great because <laughs> you do you can forgive and forget you can't change what's happened to you but you can change what's in you but that's right. where it came from and once I had made peace with that it definitely once my mom and I had that discussion um it it freed me it was definitely a massive mm. part of my healing wow how do how impactful does perfectionism or how impactful is perfectionism on the brain in holding people back and how does someone let go of this idea to be perfect when they feel like maybe they had something similar with you or they feel like that they need to be perfect to be loved or accepted or get an acknowledgement or attention or affection or whatever it is what does perfectionism do to the brain and how do we let go of it that's really, that's an excellent question. It's very distorted because it goes against your natural wide fill of nature because when you are, and it's all all to do with identity. So it's, and it's all to do with, and, and when we talk about identity, we've got to talk about it as, as a verb as opposed to a noun. It's something that's organic and growing. So you are Lewis, but you're constantly growing and changing from life experiences when you're growing into yourself and you're growing. And as we go through messiness and repairing growth, it's, it's enhancing and growing and getting better and better all the time. And um, perfectionism is is, is a, a sort of non-acceptance of that. It's like I haven't had a chance to really mm. see that my identity is good enough. And so it's like you've got to always do something. And there's something that's happened. It's generally, you, you can't, you know, everyone's got their own narrative, but at some point in our lifetime, we've had something that knocked us. And I, it seemed to be for me that that was where that knock happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, and growing up in that kind of environment when there was never any compliments and not even a child needs that sort of thing. So you, you, it, it affected my identity. I always felt like I had to prove myself in every instance. And it became a very big thing. I was like living for approval mm-hmm. until I could accept who I was. So, I, so perfectionism, what it and does. you never accepted brain, yourself probably. No, not totally. And it's, it's, and I think, a lot of us battle with that identity yeah. is one of those very I mean I always recommend that people do regular identity checks that you go and at least once a year you do a full-on identity check and just find out that you haven't been because it's so easy to be shaped by experience and and because we it's nature nurture and I factor there's the nature part of identity that is you have your genetic makeup I have mine you have your own unique way that your proteins vibrate they don't vibrate the same way as mine. Even though we have the same brain structures, we have different protein vibrations and the way that there are proteins fold. I mean, I, I held up this tree before. The thoughts that you build look like trees. The roots are the source, but the branches are your interpretation. So every mm-hmm. listener listening to this now, they're hearing the same source, so the same roots. 
that they grow in their brain. But every single person is growing their own um, interpretation, their own thoughts, feelings, and choices around the content we're talking about. And that's identity. So those those are proteins and the vibrations are different. So our wiring is unique nurture-wise. Nature-wise, nurturing we have our environment impacts us, whether we like it or not, culture, Mm. religion, where we live, the philosophies of the day, all of that impacts us. But overriding both of those is the I factor. And that's your growing identity. The perception we have of ourselves. Yes. What we look like in the mirror. What we look like in the mirror and how we perceive the world. Mm. And that that is very... um, malleable it's very strong but it's very vulnerable too Mm -hmm. and it gets very influenced by very very strongly influenced by nature nurture and that's why it's so important that we build an identity so people that are confident people that seem to get like no matter what happens they just seem to bounce back even they will have identity issues but they've reached a point in their life where they they can bounce back quicker maybe than someone else who's got more identity issues who gets crushed so for me that was when I was practicing still practicing um, I would spend a large portion of my work with my patients on identity because most really? of the time their first would be the first sort of thing that I'd work on and then I would do brain building and then I'd do emotional work you know so it would be to, to first build the person this you're amazing this is how we get resilience in your brain. And you asked earlier on about how do we bring brain health. Brain building is one of the most powerful ways of brain using your mind to get brain health. And we never got to that point. So we need to yeah, do that we'll too. Come back to that, yeah. You better keep a note of all these things. I've got, I've got the notes here. I've got the notes here. I'm curious about the identity check then. What does an identity yeah. check look like? And how do we build our identity to become more confident, resilient, loving, energetic human beings? Absolutely. So when we, when we, when identity shatters, we start, you'll we'll see a difference in the vibrations in the brain. You'll we'll see a difference in the energy flow in the brain. How, we'll what's, actually, the common, what's the common ways it shatters? Sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, 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 no problem. Um, the, in, a breakup, uh, yeah, nurture, environment, job, experience. Something yeah. happens, yeah. a death in the family. Uh, something, those, those will shatter, but it's it's more when, when you are told you're broken in some way, even if it's not Ooh. direct. So it's like if someone tells you, you know, you've gone through an adverse circumstance and you're feeling depressed and someone tells you you've got a brain disease, that will shatter your identity because now your identity is, oh, I'm broken. I'm a broken mm. brain. I'm, I'm a useless person. Or if someone feels they're not valued, so a statement is made that, that the core of their humanity, who they are, is not valued. They're not valuable enough. Um, we see this a lot with gender gender issues, people that, um, that aren't allowed to identify with what they believe their gender is tremendous tremendous attack on identity that's why there's such an increase in suicides in mm-hmm. in that kind of environment generally i've worked with a lot of suicide survivors and a lot of suicide families of suicide victims and um they who've experienced suicide in their family and the core is identity because mm-hmm. if you don't feel you valued if you feel that what i can bring to the table isn't enough no matter what why should i even be alive and that for me is so important. I did a whole podcast recently on identity and the importance of identity. And it looks different in the brain. When your identity shatters, your energy, um, we can pick that up on the QEG. QEG technology doesn't read detail. It's very crude, but it does give you an idea of the level of anxiety it creates. So when you're not being yourself or you feel that you're not valued, we will see um, asymmetry, for example, in the brain. We'll see a lot Mm. of low energy in the front of the brain, very, very low energy in the front of the brain. We see it with people that have been labeled, their energy, blood flow, it's, it's asymmetrical and it's very low in this, particularly this part of the brain. And then we have 200 specializations across our brain that are unique to each of us. So 
It's designed because your brain's only limited in size. Your skill's limited in size. So you can't mm. keep going your brain. So you can't do everything, nor can I. So there's something you can do that no one else can do. Mm. And that's that's within these 200 specializations of our brain. But it creates a need because Lewis says stuff you can do that I can't do. So I therefore I need you. And you need me because mm. of what we can, because that's enhancement. And and, and when that's when people think, okay, there isn't something I can contribute, they, their identity gets broken. So we see that in those changes. And when you get that change in the brain activity and inflammation and blood flow, we're going to see an increase in um, in the immune system, inflammation, the immune system will respond and react because now your survival is threatened. So wow. you're going to get inflammation. Then that has a downstream effect in your endocrine system. Then your telomeres and your chromosomes start getting shortened, which then ages your body. And I mean, it's, 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 I can go on and it on. It goes on and on, yeah. The neurophysiology, neurophysiological effects are enormous. So an identity check is critical because the only way you're going to bounce back from what is going to happen because life is traumatic. No matter what we what we would love to know, we would love the world to be perfect. Mm. The reality is no matter what, you've had traumas and you will have trauma. That's right. just, it's, it's inevitable. Um, so in what order What does for, the identity check look like for you? You say you do it once a year or? Yeah, I, I, I do it once a year whenever I feel that I'm out of sync, if I start feeling like, and you, a very quick recognition of identity check is if you're starting to feel envious and jealous of others, and if you're starting to feel that um, something, you know, that you're just not good enough, imposter syndrome, you know, the typical, those, yeah. those are very key that, hey, I'm going to stop and do an identity check. So then I do it with a neurocycle. I'll go and look for all the, I'll, um, I'll go and gather awareness of all the, the signals that I'm starting to see like this. Okay. There's a lot more imposter syndrome than normal because we all get a level of it. So it's okay. It's, you know, it's, it's when it becomes an invasive pattern. So you look for the invasive pattern signals that are affecting who I feel about myself. And so I recognize, I know how to recognize the general unease and then you'll start working through from the signals and then start reflecting why, what's happened, you know, ask, answer and discuss with yourself, what's happened to get myself to this point? And then I'll take time to write it down. The third and fourth mm. step, I'm, it's describing the neurocycle now. The third and fourth step we're writing. The third step you write in the form of a metacog. And a metacog is one of the most powerful things out there to get into your non-conscious mind and find out what's really going on, to really tap into the wise mind. You want to get your conscious and non-conscious mind talking to each other. And if you go through these five steps that I'm describing, the neurocycle sequentially, you are training and forcing blood flow, those 200 areas of specialization, the different structures of the brain, the neurons, the, the neurochemistry, the endocrine. So you, you are forcing it to actually work for you. You're kind of making all the ducks line up in a row, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And when you're in that stage, you're much more intelligent, you're much wiser, you have more clarity and more perspective. So that's the objective of the five steps to really give you that level of clarity that can help you dive down deep into an unconscious mind and find out, you know, find the toxic issue that's caused this identity issue because it's going to affect everything. Your identity starts shattering. It affects your work, your relationships, your, your mood, view of your life, energy, mood, yeah. energy, exercise, diet, Everything. So, so step one is reflection of your identity is what it sounds like. Very important. A lot of these things. It's interesting yeah. you're saying this because when I was younger, I've said this on the show a few times, uh, but when I was younger, probably like seven, eight, nine, I would get in elementary school, I would get in trouble a lot. Or I, at least this is the stories I remember. I remember getting in trouble <laughs> and being sent to the principal's office. Maybe oh, not that same. much. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, half a dozen times or something yeah. right? in, in a couple of years for whatever reason, acting out or yeah. saying something or, and I remember kind of being scolded or told, being told that I was doing something wrong by yeah. the principal. And I remember saying vividly, 
like, I wish I were dead. Like, I just remember saying this as a kid over and over, like, when I would get in trouble, I was like, I wish I were dead. And I, hearing you say this now, I feel like I just never felt valued, you know. Um, I'm sure people valued me, but I think I didn't know how to receive it or I didn't feel it. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, and I think, thankfully, I never said that after those, those years, but, and I don't feel that anymore, but I remember if I would have went down that path of never feeling valued for five, 10, 20 more years. Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this, assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake calipers. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I I don't know why I would, I don't know why I'd still be here. I don't know why I yeah. wouldn't, I'd build, be building a case of what's the point of my life. Why should I be here? No one cares about me. No one values me. No one sees me. No one acknowledges mm -hmm. me. I'm pointless. I'm worthless. I have no meaning. So I might as well end it. And so I have a, I have a, a lot of, I guess, compa I, compassion for people that feel that because yeah. you can kind of get sucked into it and you oh, could, so you could easily get sucked into it from a major breakdown or breakup or heartache or something, you can get kind of sucked into this. Well, I don't matter if this person doesn't love me and I don't matter if I'm not good enough for this job and I don't matter. We can kind of get sucked in if we're not taking care of our mindset from mm. what I'm hearing. That is that I'm so sorry that happened to you. And it's, it's you, you reflect so many um, people that have gone through that and mm. you managed to kind of adjust, but the fact that you could actually recall that incident shows you that it's still, you know, maybe now there'll be more healing, but it, it, it mm. impacted your life and how Absolutely. many kids 
yeah, and how many kids go through it? In fact, there was a post that I, I just happened to, I put up a couple of days ago, and I just happened to scan through because you get so many comments. I, want, I try and read as many as I can, but I don't. But one caught my attention, and it was literally what you're saying now. It was someone saying how they were, as a child, told that, you know, you're not good enough and, you know, you have a bad attitude. And it was just like disciplining a child without mm. and what we don't realize is when you do that to a child you're actually breaking them and I remember t- my mom saying to me again my mom comes up with this thing saying to me that when I would tell my kids hey listen that's not right but you do this right this is the good but right. this is what and it's not you but what you're doing so mm. it wasn't and and I was so emphatic on trying to and I, I don't know if I did it every time and I'd have to go ask my kids right, right. but I really was conscious of not saying it's you that's bad you're this amazing action that you did the behavior is not good but yes there's a separation yeah, yeah. and i yes. remember my mother watching me doing this one time and she said why are you doing that why are you telling them if they've done something wrong that they're good so it because they are good they're at their core they're just learning they're just experimenting they just const- yeah if you're constantly telling a child all the things they're doing wrong they're going to believe they're wrong exactly that's the perspective that they're building because you the you the adult in their life you the the caregiver you're the person that they look up to the most and you're shaping them and so they're relying on you to model behavior so if you are modeling back to them all the time that they are bad instead of saying okay you're doing this there's a reason why and that's what I used to always do with the patients in my practice when parents are not helping with behavior because I worked with a lot of adolescents that were behavioral juvenile delinquents and that kind of thing we would always look at I'd always explain it like this the way you turn up or the way you are what you're saying and what you're doing are simply signals of an underlying issue it's not the person you can't say little Johnny is a behavior problem that's a terrible thing to say because you shattered that child's in and they'll just think oh what's the point i may as well get i may as well live up to what they're telling me i am mm-hmm. you know and more of that yeah. exactly so we've got to be so uh, careful that maybe a person oh you're always so aggressive you know it, when you say you always you never those uh, you actually you're building an identity, identity. Exactly. You're shaping exactly. an identity and the person's becoming more of that identity. And you're not giving them any skills to change. So, but if right. you rather say to them, okay, what you've done is actually pretty aggressive. I know that's not who you are. Let's see why you did that. Because why you did, there's a reason why you did that. And honestly, Lewis, I cannot tell you how many times I've been saying this recently. We've got to keep, give people grace. We've got to give ourselves mm-hmm. grace. If someone in your environment or your work environment or your family are being impossible or difficult or whatever, instead of getting mad at them, um, remove yourself, create a boundary, but change your perspective. There's a reason. There's a reason why they like that. So get yourself in a safe place that you can actually process it and that you get your own mental health under control and and then go back in and try and say, okay, look, that really hurts me the way you do this, but I understand that this is not who you are. Can I help you? You know, get through this. Is there something that's going on? And that shifts things totally. Because yeah. you're immersing people in kindness, which is something I did a podcast on recently. It changes that kind of thing, changes the way that the brain functions immediately in both parties. Mm. And you can yeah. get to the core issue. And that goes back to the child. You can do the same thing with a child. You don't have to then break the identity. So kids are growing into adulthood. There's so many bad behavioral um, issues that have come out of generations of bad parenting. And we do, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm much older than you, I think. I don't know how old you are, but I'm 57. How old are you? I'm 38. I'm 20 years almost older than you. <laughs> okay, so my parents parented me in a very um, different way where it was very much, you, you know, head ostrich in the sand mentality. Children are seen and not heard. Mm. Um, you know, don't, you know, 
pull yourself together. Get up and keep going. Hide your emotions. Don't Jeez. show the emotions to the world. That That's so hard when you're developing a, oh my a child brain that is developing. It's exactly. hard to it's manage very, your very emotions. Hard. Exactly. So I'm part of the baby boomer generation and we grew up like this. And that's where you see a lot of issues in the baby boomer generation. And a lot of us have carried that on with our own kids. And hopefully, I didn't because I recognize and I'm doing the work. Thank God I'm doing what I'm doing. So I could change that. But that's that has created a whole breed of people. And if we don't change that, we then impact the next generation and the next generation. So we have to, but yeah, you've got to be able to express yourself. And one of the things when I was working in therapy with doing a lot of family therapy, I would tell the parents that you've got to be authentic. You've got to explain, hey, I'm sad today. Mom's sad. And it's okay to be sad. And this is why I think I'm sad and I'm working on it and I'll be better. So you modeled now for a child that you said, they, a child, if you a parent is sad or worked up or irritated or angry or snappy, and you don't explain to a child, the child will immediately think, I'm bad. Mm. They, their identity gets attacked. So if you don't explain to the child why you their identity is affected, and then they think, okay, that they only adults are perfect. So adults, a sad adult means that I'm the bad person, the adult's the good person. And that's the worst lie out. All of us are a mess, mm. no matter what age you are, <laughs> adult or child. You just happen to be an older version of being a mess. And there's hopefully some growth. And what we should do is model authenticity and say, I am sad today, or I am depressed today, or yes, I yelled at you. I'm sorry, that was wrong. It's my bad. I did it because of this. So then you model to the child that say, Oh, okay, it's okay if I get mad. Then they start saying, Mom, I'm mad because instead of I am mad is my identity, it's not mad is my identity, mad's what I'm doing. Yeah. So it's a doing, not a being. It's interesting because this morning I woke up and I was feeling a little sadness and I didn't know why. And I remember thinking, okay, let me just sit with this for a minute and I don't need to stay here, but I can be here and reflect on it. And I remember it was just kind of like really? chatting with a friend. I was like, yeah, I'm just kind of feeling sad. I don't know, really know why. Um, maybe I'm feeling like a little, you know, I went through a, a transition in a relationship lately and I'm like, maybe I'm, you know, a little bit of sadness from that and missing this experience and I was like, okay, you know, but there's, there's a reason why the transition happened. And e even though I'm grateful that, you know, for the lessons and the process of moving on from this yeah. relationship, I can still be sad for the loss of something, the, the, something not, yeah, something that's not there anymore that was there at one point. And uh, so I just kind of sat with it for 20, 30 minutes and I was like, okay, but I don't need to stay here because staying in sadness is not going to support my joy, my authenticity, my vision of helping people. So I want to make sure that I don't like reject these range of emotions, but, so I, also, but I also don't want to stay in the negative, not a negative emotion, but the emotion that might be will hold me back from helping people or uh, having a positive attitude. So... I think it's That's a, so good. You just you just sorry. I didn't. I just, go ahead. I didn't go ahead. You. you just did a neuro cycle. You basically yeah, by gathered switching a, the language. Yeah. yeah, you did. You you gathered awareness of your sadness. You embraced it. You were okay with it. You gave yourself permission, and it's so good because it's really okay to be sad. It's so totally mm. normal. Then you reflected. So you gathered awareness. You then reflected on why. Mm. You you maybe didn't do the writing steps, but you visualized it. So this. I, I was talking with step, someone. I was talking with someone about. So you it, talk. So, so you did. So, so there we go. So there's kind of the writing. If um if it comes up again, you could maybe try and do a metacog. And yeah. we didn't get to finishing that, but the the different types of writing just can take you deep if you need to but you basically did that as a visual discussion mm -hmm. and then you got into it you reconceptualized that you said okay there's a reason
reason, you're sad, the breakup, you're moving on. Um, and it's okay to be sad because it's you, you're grieving the loss and Absolutely. that's part of it. And now you're moving on. And so your first step was you've accepted it, but now you're moving on. And you're quite yeah. right. that So you've given that sadness, you, pro, you embraced, processed, and you reconceptualized. So you turned what, if you didn't, if you pushed it down, it would have grown because whatever you suppress will get bigger and then it's going to permeate other parts of your life. And then there's confusion because you think, why am I sad when all this is happening? And then why am I feeling this? And it ends like a little virus, you know, just starts spreading. And so you caught it there and you allowed yourself, but you also limited. And it's so important with any emotion that is, no emotion is bad. Every emotion is telling us a story. But there are certain emotions that make us tired. Our brain, is, our brain, body, and conscious mind are limited in energy. The non-conscious mind is unlimited in energy. So the non-conscious mind will keep driving us to just keep going. So we have to discipline, or we have to literally create a discipline, almost like boundaries between the you know the conscious mm. and the non-conscious. So we have to. T- so our wise mind is saying, okay, if I stay, your wise mind said, if I stay in sadness, I'm going to get drained. You 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 instinctively recognize yeah. exactly. So that was your wise mind telling you. So you put a cap and you put a seal on it. And I always say that with the neurocycle when you're going through the process and you're working through a 63-day cycle, you sit for 15 to 45 minutes, not longer. And you mm-hmm. limit and you have an active reach, which is then what you did. You reconceptualize and you said, okay, well, this is, I'm moving on. I'm just, I had a moment of sadness because I'm grieving what's happened but, and that's okay. So you, if, if you're during the course of the day, if you if you found, found yourself going back to sadness, you can, instead of allowing yourself to go and revisit the whole um, transition, you can go to that statement and you can build on that statement of it's okay to be sad. I'm grieving mm-hmm. a loss. And that's part of it. And then you move on. So it's you, you're training your mind to discipline itself, not to stay in something that will drain you, but to see how you made it work for you. Because you can't change what's happened to you, but you just change what happens in you. So you right. just did that. So yeah. good job. Uh, thank you. Yeah. You know, I, I just feel like so many years of my life where I would stay in sadness, anger, resentment, uh, what if statements uh, where yeah. I would just ruminate on these emotions for mm-hmm. days, weeks, months, years. And it only left me with a lack of sleep, with stress, frustration, with o- frustration overwhelm, never feeling good enough, asking why me, all these things. And I never felt peace when mm. I stayed in the emotion and I allowed it to consume me as opposed to uh, be a momentary or an hour thing as opposed to exactly. week, days, weeks, months thing. So you literally had to rewire your brain because you, because we get into patterns of allowing ourselves to do that, that ruminating. And I can honestly relate to what you're saying. I did it too. And, you know, as I've learned more and more and done more and more research in this area, yes, I've got an advantage because I'm seeing it directly with the research I'm doing, but it's just so free. You get so much mental peace when you recognize, okay, I'm in that state. Mm-hmm. And yes, you can, you can have a concern in your life. You can have a concern that is, I mean, you're not just going to not think about a transition and a breakup. You know, there's going to be a lot of time that you spend on that because it's different processing, but it's how you do it mm-hmm. you know each little moment is it a rumination on a, on a hamster wheel or mm-hmm. is it a growth a, a messy repair messy repair hypothesizing messy repair you know are you moving forward and that's what's what's so good because if you get stuck like in the if only like you said and those negative emotions we're creating so much neurochemical chaos in our brain and our body and increasing inflammation we mm-hmm. aging our body we aging if we just like doing everything we shouldn't be doing and we don't have to that's staying in the messy mind the wise mind catches that 
mm. and disciplines and trains it. But it's also not going to happen overnight. And that's where people in right. this technological age think, okay, well, I've done it once. Why am I still doing it? No, you're going to have to. It's going to take you probably nine weeks. If you had to actually look at the time you spent to break that cycle, which meant that you rewired your brain, it would have it, it's 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 weeks and if, yeah. if you have breaks in between months or yeah well back in the day when i had to go through that yeah yeah absolutely multiple cycles and that's you why know, I, you know what's interesting it was like eight years ago is when everything started to really shift for me when i turned 30 because i don't know if i mentioned this in our last interview but i've talked about it on the show a lot where i started to truly address and heal the root cause of a lot of my pain anger resentment Wonderful from sexual trauma that I went through as a kid, from yeah. other, th other things that happened that I never expressed, that I never brought to the surface, mm -hmm. that I always kept hidden with shame and insecurity and mm -hmm. frustration or anger. And when I started to process the root causes of a lot of my insecurity and shame, yeah. that's when everything started to rewire. So if I would have just said, okay, I'm going to process these things on a surface level for a certain amount of days, I don't think it would have ever found that mm -hmm. ability to create that peace within because I was always holding on to some type of trauma that I was unwilling to talk about. Whether it was a big T or a little T, I was unwilling to talk about it out of shame. And when I started to share it, it was freeing. And, and mm -hmm. I'm not saying everyone needs to share these things publicly or, or whatever, but just yeah. talking to a friend or a yeah. therapist or a coach, it was allowing me to start rewiring, okay, I can yeah. process these these heartbreaks or these tragedies or these moments in life that bring me stress and pain and grief and sadness, I now don't need to hold on to this pain from my whole life and add to it. I can process it and move on. Mm, that's beautiful. That's amazing yeah. that you did that. And it's interesting that you did that around your 30s and your 20s were fairly turbulent in terms of trying to suppress. <laughs> my whole life was turbulent, but <laughs> until 30. I mean, still in my 30s, it's been some ups and downs, but it's been, I've been able to process and I've been able to emotionally have a uh, more tools to experience and process and not hold on to. And I think I'm still learning because, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to be learning for a long time. But oh, yeah, it'll be your whole I'm, life. I'm not. Yeah. I'm definitely not perfect because I still make a lot of mistakes and I still stay in things longer than I should and want to make sure I give it my all and, you know, all those things. But um, I, I think I, I've gotten to a place where I know when to walk away from scenarios as opposed to be the perfectionist, make sure I do whatever it takes to work. Like I, I'm like, okay, if this situation isn't supporting me or the other person, like at some point we got we to gotta transition the situation, so – Oh, that's incredible. And you've done so much incredible work then. You've, you've literally, what's, I, mean, I can explain to you scientifically if you're interested in what you've actually done because I think what, you, you've, what you've gone through, the story you've gone through is, like, especially having the sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. As a young, how old were you again? Five. Five. Um, that, that, that's, like, you think of it like this. As a five-year-old, you look at your caregivers and your environment as your heroes, as your people that look after you. So the distortion is so, is so, absolutely it's just such a distortion mm -hmm. so what's happened if i use my toxic tree and for those that are listening i'm holding up the wiry toxic tree that represents toxic thought as opposed to the healthy green tree these the roots over here this whole thing's falling apart. 
um, the, the root part over here is the source of the pain. So that's the source of the trauma. So that's the actual events, all the data, the emotions. The, the memories. Of, the mem yes, yeah, yeah. the memories. So a thought is made of memories, root memories and branch memories. And so the memories are the, all, the, all the things that actually happened and all the emotions that went along with it, the full data. As it's happening, simultaneously we interpret what's happening. And then if there's repeated patterns that happen, you this the, this part over here, the branches are your interpretation. So you said things like um, shame and what were the other words you used? You used insecurity, um, shame, insecurity, anger, resentful, resentful, you know. or and seeing yourself, you, your identity was broken mm -hmm. because you didn't see yourself as having value. All those kinds of things because of that complete distortion. Mm -hmm. Now, as a five-year-old, you cannot process this. So this was the way you cope. This is this always is the balance to that. And even though this is a distortion, you do this to balance that. I mean, it's healthy. It's all great. It works out because right. the eunice comes out. But here, this is all not the eunice. So there, that would account for when you were at school, maybe you were called to the principal's office. A lot of those behaviors would have come from you not mm -hmm. valuing yourself. And then if them coming in heavy again, just added more fuel to that. It Absolutely. was just another, it was yeah. just another layer added. More on. anger, more frustration, more, yeah, everything. Yeah, so instead of them looking at why Lewis is doing this, they just told you you were wrong and punished you, that would be the worst thing in your situation. Mm -hmm. And that would have just made it worse and worse. So that then we push that down because we don't know what it is, what, what to do with it. And so you just keep going on and you just keep hoping for the best and you keep that kids just seem to be so resilient. But this this is building and building. So in your non-conscious mind, this whole, these thoughts that we have, these experiences that we have are building through our mind into our brain and into our body and into our mind. So this is not only a thought tree in your brain, it's also in the DNA of every cell of your body. Mm. And it's in the gravitational fields of your mind. So it's in three places. That's why it's this whole psychoneurobiological impact. That's why it's this whole um, effect that it has on us. It's a whole body experience. So when you do things like um, EMDR therapy, did you ever do EMDR therapy? Or uh, any? I've heard great things about it. I haven't tried that yeah. yet. Though. So yeah. when you, you went, you've done a bit of therapy over the years. I've done a bunch of different therapies. Things and to things. Emotional okay. intelligence experiences and workshops. and yeah, Works, Which have helped to pull the stuff from your body to yeah. your brain into your mind. So we work. So we work both ways. You get from body, brain, mind, mind, brain, body, and your net kind of all works back and forth. But if these aren't dealt with, they get suppressed. They get suppressed. They get suppressed. And then maybe only when you're thirty, like you said, then you started actually doing the work, or maybe during your twenties. I don't know when you started first remembering the, the the trauma. I'm not sure what age you were at when you started facing I mean, that. Every day I remembered the trauma okay. and thought about it, but it wasn't until thirty when I had the courage to start talking about it. Okay, so it was, so it was in the. Okay, so what what you had was the situation of some people completely hard and they don't even know what happened. Then it suddenly comes back. You yeah. were constantly I was living, always, yeah. you were living it all the time. Okay. So it was in Daily your, or maybe, maybe not every day, but at once a week, I probably thought about it, you know? Okay. So this was constantly moving from the non-conscious to the conscious. So the, the awareness was increasing. So when we have increased awareness, but no management and no processing, there's got to be a way to get it out somehow. Exactly. So <laughs> you I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% 
off your next 12 pack, head to Amazon and use promo code 20PureLeaf. That's promo code 20PureLeaf for 20% off. With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. So it's, so it's coming up, but you're not processing. So it keeps right. coming up, down, up, down. Each time it goes back down stronger than before. And we see when you have increased awareness without processing, it increases anxiety in the brain. Mm. So if we had to scan your brain at that time, we would have seen a lot of red pockets of high beta right. energy across your brain, which would have made you be quite edgy, you know, like looking for things to constantly like keep you busy, distractions on the go, whatever. I don't, I don't know exactly what you did over that time, but you may have been just always trying to, you said perfectionist, I'm always trying to achieve. Yeah, You're trying to prove yourself in a way. Of course, to, constantly. Yeah, I mean, I, was, I, threw, it, I threw it in sports, so I was just playing sports Brilliant. all day, practicing, trying to, you know, get better and achieve my goals. And then that would have given you a lot of um, release of adrenaline. Absolutely. And, Every, and anger, indoor, frustration, everything. You channeled into the energy. So it's almost like you use that to cope, almost like an addiction, but it, in, in a sense it was a coping mechanism because addiction is not a disease. It's purely a, a coping mechanism. It's a coping signal that you're trying to deal with the stuff. Of something and that hasn't been healed yet. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Because in 86 to 98%, 95% of ad, um, addicts get out of addiction through choice once they are ready to do the work to find the root cause. So, wow. it, so you channel for a time into that energy. You also got things like anandamide being released in your brain, which would have given you the bliss hormone, would have given you a sense of excitement, and you would have had dopamine rushes and all the mm, things that were being absolutely. drained. So this was draining all of that. So you're doing sport to put it back, but eventually it explodes. So it's like a volcano. If you think of a volcano. Yeah. Well, then sport in- and, well, then sport ended. So I was like, well, what, now like, what? channel my energy. <laughs> there you and that's go. when everything started to come to the surface where I was like, oh. You've got to you know, deal I'm, with I'm this not, now. I'm not liking my personality in these scenarios when I'm feeling triggered. And people aren't liking my personality around me. And it wasn't, it wasn't fun anymore to be around me for, you know, a year or two when I was like, really? I don't know how to get, I don't know how do I get, how do I express Shame. myself? I know happy and angry. Like I don't have a range of emotions. Like how do I learn how to express? And I think a lot, and I and I empathize for a lot of, um, a lot of humans. But I mean, men in general who are kind of built and raised in the same type of dynamic. I'm like, it's it's when you've never been taught how to express yourself without being shamed, without being made wrong, without being like, don't don't do that. That's not okay. You can't show this emotion. You're supposed to be a man or this or whatever it is. Toxic what, masculinity. For, yeah. For women as well, like you need to be this, this, and this, and you can't do this. Um, it's just a challenge because then you're always suppressing something. Mm, it's always suppressing and you have to go back and, and that's volcanic in nature because like a volcano will bubble eventually explode mm-hmm. and the lava will pour out that, that's what these eventually do they eventually and it did explode as you've just described it was exploding yeah. in your behavior where it was now becoming very in your face and in people's faces and that's and these that was then signal so all of those behavior patterns the emotions the behaviors the perspective on life that you had the physical sensations in your body those were all warning signals that your body was trying to restore balance so your non-conscious mm. mind was trying to draw your attention to the fact that you need to identify the source your immune system was sending out all kinds of signals to that to this actual physical experience in your brain this physical thought in your brain your body trying to get rid of it so it's trying to eject and get rid of this thing that's causing the imbalance and it comes out in our emotions and our behaviors well it also and, comes out physically i mean i was yes yeah i was, I was going through a 
a challenging scenario uh, where I knew a, a relationship that I was in needed to end, but I was I was staying in this certain relationship for yeah. for, long, for longer than it needed to be, and I knew and I started to get I never in my life have had this. But I started to get like eczema breakouts on my wow. skin in different parts of my body. And I was like, what is this? And wow. I was like, never had this in my life. I started doing all the allergy tests. I had no allergies. I was like, nice. maybe I'm having too much almond butter or freaking, <laughs> I don't know, gluten. What is, is it? Dairy? Yeah, what is, is it? Yeah. Eliminating all these foods. Nothing is changing. And I'm like, well, maybe it's just, I'm just going to live with this forever then. And okay. And literally, I kid you not, once this... Uh, the dynamic of the relationship shifted and and transitioned. My body had it's going away, and I was just like, "This is crazy!" Like the physical symptoms is gone. Uh, this eczema outbreak or Amazing. whatever, which I thought was going to keep spreading all over my body, it's now gone, um. and it's it's crazy. When we, like you're saying, we, we need to be aware of the signals. We need to be aware of the emotions, the feelings, the frustrations, the thoughts, the sadness, the anger, and be aware of them. And we also need to be aware of our physical symptoms. Absolutely. Yeah. And, Absolutely. you know, am I drained? Am I emotionally tired? Am I frustrated and triggered all the time? Do I have eczema? Is my hair falling out? I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Am I losing yeah. my vision? You know, like exactly. something. Am I getting yeah. heart palpitations? Like you've got to be noticing the physical symptoms as well from the emotional stress. Exactly. That that is so important what you said and and fascinating that you've got, you know, that you, you've highlighted a key psychoneurobiological link. And uh, mm. in my in my most recent book, the, the Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, that one that you yes. interviewed me about last right. time, that there I talk about some of the things I didn't put my whole clinical trial, but I talk about some of those impacts. But there's so many, so many studies around the link between um, unmanaged mind and unmanaged stress and the impact on our body so it's directly like this you you were going through this relationship that was not good for you you hadn't dealt with these issues yet mm -hmm. properly so that combination was you were, your, your mind was an unmanaged mess and that would generate a lot of basically toxic energy waves gravitational fields electromagnetic fields literally through your brain and your body so therefore nothing your you, you would have had high gamma high uh, too much high gamma too much high beta probably not enough oxygen and blood in your brain that they had constricted blood vessels around your heart um, all things that you know the immune system would have been autoimmune because that's eczema mm -hmm. autoimmune response um, that so you know everything was so you've all got genetic weaknesses and generally when we under toxic stress and it's come through the generations it just happens it's mutations that happen through generations and they dormant and this activated and, and the mind is the activating factor so mm. so it manifests in so many different ways so definitely you've hit the nail on the head you go for the allergy test it's not the allergies because we immediately think purely physical but the right. physical is dominated by the mind the physical ah. you don't you don't have any you can't have x if you're dead you can only have it if you're alive and generally if it's not a food <laughs> allergy there is a, a mind an undealt a mental allergy yeah exactly it's exactly the mental That's allergies literally literally mental allergies these are literally mental allergies and they threaten your survival so your that eczema was your body saying hey lewis please pay attention there's something yeah. in your mind that you need to deal with and it's and so, yeah and it's interesting because you know i take full responsibility for my thoughts and my and, and staying in something that i know i'm not supposed to say in something um or for not speaking up or for abandoning myself like so yeah as i reflect and throughout the entire time 
you know, I'm in no place to blame someone else. I take responsibility. Yeah, for, I yeah. take responsibility for what am I doing to be a co-creator in this? What are my thoughts doing to manifest this physically? And how am I responsible for choosing something different? And it might be a hard decision. It might be a, a courageous decision that I've been afraid to make, but that's exactly. the one my body is telling me you need to make, or you, you, need, need, to to make shift. you need to shift something. You need to shift something yeah. within this relationship experience. You need to, whatever it might be. Something. And, uh, and I think a lot of times people will blame others for their feelings, their emotions, their physical uh, manifestations of their mind. And maybe they're a part of that experience, but you can't blame someone else for the way you're thinking and you're feeling, or, or can we? You you could you hit the nail on the head. You can't. Uh, you can. There's there's two parts of that answer. Our environment affects us. Yes. So when you were abused, you were a victim. There's yes. no lesson to be learned in that victim. That what you you enter as a victim. There's only healing that needs mm-hmm. to take place. And um, but so then you. But then, that's what you are responsible for is your healing. And that's always sounds so hard when someone's been sexually abused to say that you're responsible for your healing. But no one else can heal me. No, no, no me. people can support you. That's the difference. Yeah. And that's that whole enhancement culture. We need each other. So you need someone cheering you along. You need the therapy, the coaching, the counseling, whatever version of that, whatever combination of that. But you all, you also need to know how to manage your own mind because at the end of the day, you're not in therapy twenty four seven. You're not in coaching twenty four. People go to sleep. You're awake at night. You 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 wake up with your mind. You're sitting with your anxiety, your thoughts. What do you do? So mind management becomes absolutely essential in us being able to cope with anything that we've gone through. And yes, that is our. We can't change. I keep saying it. We can't change what's happened to us, but we can change what's happened in us. So that abuse that you mm-hmm. went through. There's never anything that can excuse that. And you are not, there's no lesson to be learned. And you were a victim and that person was wrong and needs to be and person or persons, you know, they 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 need to be punished. And that those are facts. Those are facts. But for you to be disengaged from that is extremely important. And the only way you can disengage from that is through embracing, processing, and reconceptualizing. Mm. So it's a deconstruction, reconstruction process. Otherwise, you keep this in your brain and this drives you and it controls you like it did for so many years. Every day, this was controlling you, coming up and controlling you. So until you did the work which you did to start recognizing those signals, the physical signals in your body, the eczema, whatever it was at that time, the heart palpitations, gut issues, mm-hmm. the emotional signals, depression, anxiety, panic, frustration, whatever, worry, the um, perspective signals, how are you looking at life? What is your general view of life? And then also looking at the, which one have I left out? Um, the, the physical, emotional is four. Emotional, physical, perspective, and why am I blanking on the fourth one? There's four different areas that we look at. They'll come back in a moment. Sure. So once we gather awareness of those signals, then what we do is we can then start, um, once we've gathered awareness, we can then start doing the reflection, of the why. But you've mm-hmm. got to do very sequentially. You've first got to pay yeah. attention. So the signals are warning, um, de- warning signals, they're clues. So you become a detective in your own life. Right. Well, why is this come, happening? Okay, let me yeah, start to do some experiments. Exactly. get some tests done and realize, okay, exactly. I'm eliminating this, I'm eliminating that. Then where's the root cause? Of that thing. So you've got to start there, but you've got to start with your signal. So these these are the four. Emotional, what you're doing, behavioral, mm-hmm. physical, what's in your body, and perspective. Okay. So emotional, physical, behavioral, and perspective. And you've got to you've got to find those first. As soon as you're aware, you then pull this up 
and you change your, you change 1400 neurophysiological responses in your brain and your body. You shift the resilience of your brain and you start now enabling yourself to be stronger to face that stuff. And your mind, brain, and body know it's going to be hard. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you thought this was powerful, make sure to share this with a friend, post it on social media, make sure to tag me and Dr. Caroline Leaf as well. And part two is coming soon. So stay tuned for part two and make sure to go to lewishouse.com slash 1079 to check out our previous interview with Dr. Caroline Leaf that blew up all over the internet as well. And if you are here for the first time, click the subscribe button over on Apple Podcast right now or Spotify and stay notified and up to date on the latest and greatest from the School of Greatness. We'd love to have you a part of the community, so click the subscribe button right now. And I want to leave you with this quote from Abraham Maslow, who said, in any given moment, we've got two options, to step forward into growth or to step back into safety. I cannot emphasize this enough. The mind, the way you think, will dictate your behaviors, your actions, and your life. So we've got to be willing to learn how to master the mind. We've got to learn how to understand how the mind works and then use the strategies and the tools backed by science that prove that you can increase the level of your life, the quality of your life, the quality of your thoughts, which will help dictate your behaviors and your actions and your life. Again, you were born to live in peace. You were born to live in harmony, to experience love, and to experience fulfillment. And if you're feeling anxiety or stress or frustration or overwhelm in your life, then please use these tools. Make sure to get the book, listen to these resources for free here on the podcast, and use these tools for the betterment of your life and spread this message to someone that you think would be inspired by this as well. We all need tools to help us increase the quality of our life. So I hope you enjoyed this. And I want to remind you, if no one's told you lately that you are so loved, you're so worthy, and you matter. I'm so grateful for you. And you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse. And up until about 10 or 11 years ago, I was afraid to talk about my trauma that I experienced. And I know we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-E-W-I-S.